Welcome to the All Things Real Estate Podcast with our very own Josh Barker. With more than 20 years of experience and over 5,000 properties sold, Josh brings a unique perspective to the real estate market. Let's get started. It's uh, February of 2022. Yes, it is. And... uh, um, like some big stuff is going on. Like we were looking at interest rates right before we started recording yep. and they jumped a little bit. They did. Yep. I mean, quite a bit. Yeah. We were kind of waiting for that one, right? I don't think we expected it to be quite that much though. Well, not, yeah, I wouldn't say that fast, but, uh, I mean, the federal reserve last year, they already said that they were going to be tapering, reducing the amount of, you know, mortgage backed securities that they were purchasing. And, um, you know, we know that they've announced they're going to be raising interest rates this year. So, um, I think everybody kind of anticipated that the long-term interest rates for mortgages um, were just going to go up. But last 90 days, it's jumped a lot. I mean, I, we had a, a client we talked to, then the early December locked in around 2.8% on a mortgage. And now today, just before this podcast, I just checked and it was like 4.5% for a 30-year mortgage. And that isn't even the, the Fed's increasing the rate yet. That's simply them slowing down buying the mortgage-backed Securities. Securities. That's right. So we haven't even got to the- We haven't even got to the interest rate portion yet. Yeah. The interest rate portion has a lot more to do with uh, inflation, you know, because uh, we just had the numbers came out a few weeks ago. What was it? Was it seven and a half percent inflation, I think is what the the Federal uh, Reserve announced as what the inflation numbers were. Um, Kind of sent the stock market in a little bit of a tizzy for a few days there. Yeah. So, and I, I understand that their interest rates is, and I, the idea of increasing interest rates is to try to slow down inflation. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, that's a whole <clears throat> economics is one of those, um, sciences that's like, you know, it, it's just incre- incredibly subjective. It's not it like chemistry where you're like, no, that's water's H2O yeah. economics. They will argue all day. What yep. does what to what? Yep. So the bottom line is that's a major headwind sticking with the, the vocabulary that we've used so far. Sure. That, interest rates going up slows the market down. Oh yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, a part of that's by design, right? So you've got two different things working. I mean, this podcast is more around real estate, but in reality, the federal reserve isn't just looking at real estate. It's looking at the entire economy and saying, okay, well, uh, the numbers are pretty bad. You know, inter- you know, the inflationary rates right now at seven and a half percent. So they, they have a choice to make, right? So you've got demand that's exceeding supply. And supply, the re- big reason why supply isn't where it needs to be, be is that, you know, you have the supply chain disruptions, which, you know, were pretty ex- explainable with COVID the way it was. Um, but also because, you know, they can't catch up. Then the demand right now is overrunning supply. You're seeing inflationary prices across the board. Fed has to make a decision. It's like, well, do we raise rates and reduce demand, mm-hmm. which could, you know, put us in recession, right? Or do we let this economy continue to burn pretty hot? And, um, I mean, if I'm not a betting man, but if I, if I had to bet, I'd bet they're going to let this economy continue to burn pretty hot. I think they, they're going to raise rates a little bit, I'm sure. But I think ideally if they had the choice between some inflation and the market, that's, you know, higher than historic norms or a recession, I mean, cause that's kind of the two choices you have as the fed. I think they're going to let it burn a little bit. I think they're going to let it run hot. So with inflation going up and interest rates, interest rates, Obviously, you're going to go up again, yeah, um, because they have to. Because they have to. They said they're going to raise the rate. Yeah. Uh, what does that have to do with like the Reading real estate market? What's that? What effect is that going to have? You know, on, like sure. sellers and. Well, buyers. I mean, for our listeners on this, I think the one thing to realize is that for every one percent that the mortgage interest rate increases, it has an impact on purchasing power by up to ten percent, and so there's some real impact 
around um, buyers' ability to purchase the same homes as rates go up. So let's say you're qualified for a home in a particular neighborhood right now. And let's say that average neighborhood price is three fifty, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if the rate goes up one percent, well, you may not be able to buy in that neighborhood anymore. You might be looking to buy in a neighborhood that's around you know two seventy five or you know three hundred or something. So, so that's the actual real cost of interest rates going up for people because most people buy homes based on what they can afford for a monthly payment. And so as rates go up, their loan amount they qualify for goes down and it has an impact on the type of home that they get to purchase. Um, and, and that's, I mean, if you're trying to bring, bring this into a practical conversation around real estate, that's where the impact is. Because people typically, you know, they have an amount that they have budgeted for a mortgage payment and that, but that, that amount is not going to change based on rates. What's going to change is what they can buy without a payment. Does, you know what I'm saying? Completely. And I, I'm immediately thinking that's going to affect the lower end of the market way more than the mid to higher end of the market. Probably, probably yeah. because people on the lower end tend to be more at their max monthly payment when they go to purchase that first home. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they figure out what the lender says. Yep. Yeah, you're qualified up to X and they're going to you know, probably push as close to that as they can because they want the very best home they can get in that price point. Whereas when you get into the upper end, you know, it's more of a discretionary decision as to what size of home you want, what's the payment going to be, because, you know, you're not usually running up against your max payment in the upper end. You usually have more reserves than that. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's going to it's going to play out more on the up and the lower end. It's going to have a much more meaningful impact. Now, that's obviously a big headwind, but we've got some big tailwinds still going in Reading. We do. For example, how many permits were pulled we were talking about in the last 12 months Yes, in the city of Reading. Yep. It's a tiny number. It is. So, you know, um, there was a a report that just came out recently. So in the city of Reading, um, there's roughly 2,500 paper lots approved uh, in the city of Reading. Those are are lots that are ready to be developed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And- Last year, we had roughly 200 permits pulled to build a new home in the city of Reading. Less than 10% of them. Yes. Way less. Oh, man. And so so you have this really low amount of new inventory coming to the market in the city of Reading. If you look at the actual home inventory right now for single-family residential homes right now, 300 and roughly 80 properties that are actually for sale right now in the entire Shasta County Multiple Listing Service. And we have That's over, really low. oh, it's super low. And we have over 200 selling each month, right? So probably this month, you know, we don't have the numbers for February yet because we're in the middle of it, but let's say it's 260 or so homes that are going to be sold this month. That means that it's just over a one month supply of homes. And for our listeners, what that means is like, if no other homes came up for sale, we only have like 1.2 weeks or 1.1 week of inventory before there was no homes for sale. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how tight it is, right? And so it's definitely still a seller's market. Um, and that, and now you have inflation, you have a really low supply uh, of homes available for sale now, and you have even fewer homes coming as new inventory coming to the market. I mean, all, all point, everything's pointing on that tailwind. Everything's pointing towards appreciation still this year. Um, and we'll probably see a lot of it in that first six months of the year. I was going to say those numbers uh, that we talked about, the tailwinds to me mm-hmm. seem like they would far exceed the headwinds. The headwinds are probably going to affect other markets big time, especially the larger cities in California. I think it might even drive more of this real speculation here, but it depends on how many people are moving here versus how many people living here are buying homes. 
Yep. Yep. So some of our, our demand is, is, is coming off the, uh, is backing off a little bit. So like when you run our sales reports right now, you can see that our demand started to slow down a little bit over the last six months. It's just been slowly coming back to it a was sim- so white hot. I mean, it, it was well, it, so crazy last summer. It, it was. And a lot of that was because, you know, with, with the uh, pandemic, you had a lot of people that had the opportunity to work from home um, or decided to buy a second home. Um, and had some other options available to them so they could move anywhere they wanted to. And Reading was a great place to go. And, you know, especially if you, you know, were in Sacramento or the city of, you know, San Francisco or Southern California or whatever, Reading kind of tends to be a good place to go. Um, so we had some additional buyer demand and, and a lot of those types of transactions have slowed way down now. Um, and so now we're starting to see our actual monthly sales volumes drop compared to last year. Um, and it's been like that for several months now where it's been like that, but the inventory is still just so low that, um, homes are still selling quickly. Uh, buyer demand is still pretty strong relative to, to the supply. And, you know, I, that's why I still think if, if I was, you know, betting on anything, I'd say that, you know, I think the tailwinds of, of the market right now are going to push and overcome the headwinds and we'll see appreciation again this year. Plus we're going to see like right now, if you are thinking about selling, some of the things that are poised for this year are a couple of more interest rate hikes. And so you can get ahead of those sticking with this, get ahead of those headwinds. Somewhere yeah. there's a sailor just go, no, you're not using this right. These yeah. Bad analogies, but uh, inventory is so low right now. Yep. And the interest, I, I just wonder how quickly those interest rates impact purchases. Like you were looking yeah. at that number this morning, right? So there's a bunch of yeah. people that were shopping. Did they lock in their rate? Yeah. Hopefully. Well, I was going to say it, it, it can hit you immediately. So if you're one of those buyers that was right on the edge of qualifying for that loan amount, mm-hmm. okay, based on what your monthly payment you, you could afford was, and you're right on that border and now the rates go up, let's say a quarter point last night and you didn't lock your loan, you you might be in a situation where you can't buy that home today. Oh, wow. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing right now is that as we're working with buyers, we're educating them on the fact that, you know, the Fed's going to, you know, likely raise rates again in March. And we're, we're anticipating that there'll be a higher rate environment than what it is today. So be, be in really close contact with your lender, be ready to lock that loan as soon as you know uh, you and your lender agree that's the right time to do it. And don't put yourself in a situation where you were qualified today and now you're not qualified tomorrow. And um, these are these are conversations that a lot of buyers should be having with their agents. They should be having them with their lenders. And you know, when we know everybody's telling us rates are moving up. And so so if you're the guy that doesn't lock or you're the gal that doesn't lock right now, that's a pretty big risk to take. You know, so I'd be looking at it. And as far as sellers go, I mean, if you wanted to sell, it's it, it, there's nothing really you can do about it other than enter the. This is a good time to enter the market because mm-hmm. inventory is still low, and the Feds haven't increased the interest rate yet. So yep. okay, it's not as the interest rate isn't as good today as it was yesterday, but it could be a lot better than it is tomorrow. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, the idea is. I don't know what kind of seller would be like, you know what? I'm just gonna sit this one out and wait it out. It's like I don't think that's how this is gonna work. Well, it's tough. I mean, right now, if you're a homeowner and you're thinking about when, when's the right time to sell, well, probably the best time to sell is, you know, before the buyer demand starts to decrease faster than the supply is coming up. You yeah. Know? Um, hard to time it. Catch the tailwind. Yeah, exactly. Be on the tailwind side of it so that you have competing offers or have some better options in terms of who you sell your home to for, you know, uh, down payments and quality of the loan and all that stuff. Um, but you know, what I would think is, is that, um, you know, if, if what the most of the experts are saying right now is they're projecting anywhere around five and a half or so, uh, appreciation nationally this year. 
Um, and that's nationally. That's nationally. Yeah. So different markets are going to perform differently. That's just the national average, right? So let's say the Reading average is between five and 8% between now and summer, because that's typically when we do appreciate here. We appreciate coming out of February, March is when we start to appreciate and we start to plateau out somewhere around midsummer in terms of appreciation for that cycle kind of flattens out for a few months and then it might give back a few points before the end of the year. And then it starts the cycle over again. That's just kind of the way our market's always been. Well, the weather, I mean, the weather right now, anybody that's going to visit Reading right now yeah. and, and think like, uh, you know, oh my goodness, this is before like, yep. Hey, come back in August. Yep. You oh know, yeah. <laughs> it'll be, it's going to be a little bit warmer. Uh, yeah, grass isn't going to be quite as green. I think it's a really good idea. I see yeah. people that move up to Idaho, they go up to Montana or whatever. And you know, I, I I've seen a few folks that come back from that too. Cause after you do a winter there too, you know, you realize, well, you know, the, the things you don't have to deal with living in California, you know, at least in the Valley anyway, um, of California, it, it's pretty convenient. <laughs> you know, when you have to factor in for, you know, shoveling out your driveway and the sidewalk to get to your front door as a, as a part of your normal day, and you're not used to it because you're from California, you know, you, you sometimes decide it's not the best thing for you, you know? Well, we've had a couple of friends that left in the last year and they went East and, and we were talking to them and they were both in, in different locations. They're like, yeah. it's just these snowstorms keep hitting. Oh yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's not every it's, place has its thing, right? Something for us. We have hot summers, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd rather be in Montana in the summer. You know, that's for sure. But in the winter, I, I like California. <laughs> totally. I'll take it any day of the week. <laughs> so, so thinking about the market, thinking about these headwinds, are there any other headwinds coming down the pipe besides interest rates going up and, and them trying to control inflation? Well, it's interesting because when I think about that, I go, well, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about the demand and the supply piece because that's always tends to be where the story is going to go. Right. And mm -hmm. right now there's a lot of contributing factors to why our, our supply is low. I mean, part of it's the supply chain disruption. So we can't resupply the market with new homes. Um, but another part that we haven't talked about in this podcast recently anyway, is that, um, you know, you have these large hedge funds that have been buying up homes nationally. Mm -hmm. And that, that has really had an impact on the overall inventory. We had uh, Zillow. I mean, they bought, what, 500,000 uh, homes or something like it that? Something it, it was insane number. Berkshire Hathaway yep. was big into it. They were buying it. I mean, there were just so many companies that were participating in buying them. And some of them were buying them through that iBuyer program and they had the every intention of flipping them um, for higher prices. Um, but we had some of them like, um, you know, I don't mention any names, but there's some hedge funds out there that are actually buying these and actually holding them as rentals. Mm -hmm. And so they're removing these properties from the, from the housing supply for buyers to choose from. And I think now it's beginning to show up in our, our numbers nationally. I think this is a big contributing factor to where the inventory has been eaten up so badly. I mean, you already had a pandemic. You already had a supply chain disruption. Now add to that hedge funds buying up the existing inventory and, and, and not really starts to explain where this problem is. Um, if those companies at some point decide, because they're holding them now, if those companies at some point decide that the best investment is to liquidate them, that could quickly resupply the market and have an impact on value, you know? So, and it, and it, it wouldn't necessarily be because they voluntarily did it. It could be because the federal government goes in and says, okay, well, we're going to carve out a new tax implication for companies that do this particular activity. And that itself could have a change on, you know, who wants to hold inventory like that. So there's going to be some interesting things. We're all going to learn about what happened in the last couple of years with inventory um, over the next year or two. Um, I think there'll be some lessons that'll be learned from it. And there might be some policy that comes out of it too. I was just thinking, you know, I, I know that the, the, the formula for why a company would come in and buy a thousand homes. Yeah. You know, I, 
the thoughts would be, okay, well, because they think the market's going to appreciate at such a rate that, sure. and, and they have a physical asset versus stocks or something like that. That's right. And then, okay, what, are, and like you said, there's, oh, they get especially there's tax implications. Maybe they do it because they're like, no, we're going to actually have rentals. This is going to be, uh, it's not just the appreciation, but also like uh, the, the equivalent of dividends. We're going to get, yep. we're going to collect rent. So I'm thinking, well, what is the motivation then for them to start letting go of this inventory other than the government coming in and changing tax, you know, well, you'd have a couple things. I mean, you've got, you know, the, if you feel like you're at the end of an appreciation cycle, right. And now it's time to take the profits from that investment. That might be a reason to start liquidating some of those. Um, If you wanted to uh, diversify that portfolio beyond what it is now, uh, then maybe you would liquidate a percentage of those um, and reallocate that investment somewhere else. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different reasons why they could do it. I just, what it concerns me is that anytime one particular entity has a whole lot of inventory at their discretion to, to dump to the market, that that's something that everybody should be paying attention to. Do you have any numbers? Do those, do those uh, entities exist, so to speak in Reading? Are they, is it, do we have any numbers that show that kind of stuff? Like, no, it's, it's, it doesn't LA thing. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I would, I would say other places in California. Yeah. yeah. So for our listeners that are in Reading going, how much would that's done here? Not n- nothing uh, and nothing in comparison to, to the areas that I'm thinking about, but it does have a, an indirect impact on us. Um, and that's because it actually, those investors that may have otherwise been buying in those areas, because now they've appreciated, they might be looking at areas like Reading. So now you have, you have people that might be looking at other places to invest because those other places that they were investing in aren't as profitable as they used to be. So it does move investment activity to different areas when you have participation from large companies that come in. So like, for example, if, if if a hedge fund came into Sacramento and bought everything, well, then if you wanted to buy something you wouldn't buy in Sacramento, you'd probably be on the outskirts of Sacramento. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then if that, if that supply then was resupplied back to Sacramento, well, then everybody starts coming back. So it's just, you just see a large manipulation in home inventory being, you know, impacted by these hedge fund companies that are coming in. It's, it's going to, it's concerning for me for sure, but who am I? Right. I mean, but, but I look at it and I go, that's, that's something that we all have to watch and going forward because it could happen here, you know? So What's happening somewhere else could certainly come to Reading. Well, I was thinking about when you were talking, I was thinking about the, the two movies, one margin call and the big short, yeah. both movies. I think uh, one's a pl- was a play and the other was a book based on mortgage backed securities and how yeah. they just overextended themselves. Now we've talked about that before on the show. Yeah. We just talked about the, 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 uh, it, it, the factors that are driving now are not really the same factors at all. I mean, there's a couple of things that are going on. But back then you had people that were uh, non-owner occupied. Yep. It, it took up a huge percentage versus now. Yep. And so these were people that were super extended with mortgage yep. on top of mortgage on top of mortgage. I don't even hear anything like that. And in the past, you've said, you know, the, the numbers look like maybe 10% investors, yes. which is actually a small number. Very small number. So I'm just, I, I guess my mind is like, is something, should we be concerned at all, uh, you know, I don't think so. I, I don't think we need to be concerned about, you know, those hedge fund examples here. Um, I think it, I think it plays into the bigger national narrative that we have a low housing inventory across the entire country. And it wasn't helpful that hedge funds went in and started buying up these properties too. Cause that just ate away at that inventory as well. Um, nationally right now, we don't have enough homes. And that, what I mean is that there's more people who would like to own a home or be able to live in a home than we have available. 
you know, we don't have tons of new construction sitting up and down the state of California right now. And certainly not in Redding, California, where there are all these new homes sitting there with nobody to buy them. That's not no, the case. Every contractor I'm talking to you right now, they're a little nervous about the economy right now. Um, and they're a little nervous about inflation. They're a little bit er nervous about buyer demand, but everything's telling them that they're going to be okay because the buyers right now are just lining up saying, we want another house. We need another house. And they're trying to get these builders to build. And so, um, you know, if you're a builder right now, you, you've got all the signals telling you currently it's okay. Go build some more houses with plenty of buyer demand. But a lot of them are also being thoughtful of the fact, Hey, we've, we've got some inflationary pressures and depending on how aggressive the fed does get, uh, with interest rates, um, that could slow this whole thing down. So, but like I said, at the beginning of our podcast today, anyway, I, if, if I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet and if the feds left with two choices of deal with some inflation that exceeds the normal, the norms or put the country into a recession, I have a feeling they're going to let this, you know, this, uh, inflationary period continue to run. It may not be running at seven and a half percent when they raise the rates a few times, maybe it levels off at five or 6%. But I think they might rather have that for a little while than have the uh, uh, recession that would be required to bring that demand back down. Is uh, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like I think they say like healthy inflation runs like two and a half percent or something like that. Yeah, but I mean that's still pretty. I mean yes, that's that's correct. That that, yep, that's my understanding of it too. Um, and then would you think housing appreciation should track that? And maybe even be, it's the best it way to be. Oh, it's usually I mean if you could have housing around two to three percent, which never lasts for very long, but if you could average that, it'd be wonderful because. Um, you know, in theory, it's tracking with inflation for wages and things like that. And, and, you know, you don't want to be volatile in the housing market because this is homeowners. They, they need they need to have the flexibility. You, you start manipulating the housing market and um, people stop buying. <laughs> and if they stop buying, well, then you don't have that investment infrastructure that the country really gets to enjoy because so many of our of our citizens in our in our country own homes. Well, that's a built in security for the country, really. Um, and so you don't want to see that get disrupted like that, um, because then you could see neighborhoods and cities, you know, literally just get changed overnight based on policy. So, um, but I, I think that if we look at what inflation is now, um, the good news is that, you know, the supply chains at some point, let's say in the next 24 months, supply chains start to catch up, right? If we're running at, at 5% or 6% inflation after the Fed makes a few moves on the interest rate, and we're still running kind of hot on inflation, but then all of a sudden the supply chain starts catching up, right? Well, now, now all of the products that are available are meeting the demand, and we'll start to see our infl inflation start to cool off, right? I think that's an easier solution than pushing us into recession and having to print money to get us out of it. I can give a perfect example of this. I don't know if I talked about this on a previous one, but I have a friend who has a roofing company. And about a year and a half ago, uh, plywood OSB, whatever you want to call yeah. it, you know, the four foot by eight foot sheets, yep. it was running around $35. Oh man. And then it went up to like 120, 130 yeah. Yeah. within a short period of time, like six months. And then fast forward three months later, it's back down to like 35. And I think it's like 40 something, but it was, you know, the supply chain got disrupted. Yeah. Lumber and just went up again just recently. So it's just it's manipulated right now. You've got a lot of participation in it, and um, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes in the future. I, I'm shocked at how delicate, you know, the national level market can be. About a year ago, I heard, I can't remember the gentleman's name. He's, he's one of these famous um, economists, investors. He's, it, it, you would know him, but he was talking about why the housing market was going to appreciate so much. And he was talking about how after 2008, 
we so overcorrected by not building yes. that there was this massive glut of people that yep. need to buy a home yep. back to what you said a little bit ago. And I was like, what? Yep. And it hit so hard. Yep. I mean, it hit, he called it uh, and said, it's going to, you know, it's going to continue for a while Yep. and whether, and, and that's all he's really saying is there, you have this massive tailwind of supply will not meet demand will far exceed supply. Yep. Right. Totally agree. And then on top of that, you have a supply chain that gets disrupted, so you can't even try to replenish supply yep. fast enough. So all those factors feel like, yeah, don't worry, interest rates are going to go up, and and that's you're not going to be able to afford as much. But uh, if you're worried that the market's going to come way back down, yeah, there's just no inventory. There's just not enough inventory. Yeah, yeah. I, that's where I kind of feel like that's the, the the safety factor or the safety net in this whole thing is that. The inventory right now has been so depleted. It's going to take so much time to rebuild that inventory um, relative to the demand we currently have that uh, to see, you know, this massive crash or anything like that, I, it's just extremely unlikely right now. There's, there's just no signs out there for it. How long do you think it would take for signs like that? To, I don't know. These are some. Well, I think you'd have questions. to have risky loans, right? You know, negative amortization loans, uh, balloon payments, uh, people that don't qualify for homes, buying homes. I mean, a lot of the stuff we saw in 2006, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right? That, all that was based on really bad mortgage practice, mm-hmm. um, where today people are buying on 15 year and 30 year fixed loans. And, you know, they're, they're, if they can afford the home today, in theory, if they don't lose their job, they can afford the home tomorrow. So um, we have some really stable uh, real estate markets as well. Even though they feel higher than they were years, you know, a few years ago in terms of price, um, because of the supply chain, because of this, uh, the inventory, because of the demand, because of our our, our um, population growth, I still think we're probably even slightly undervalued uh, when you when you when you reflect all of that. When you guys do your market overview, when you mm-hmm. when someone says, "Hey, I want to sell my house. How much should I get for my house?" Yeah. Do you take in those factors, those economic factors? Is it just sales and, in, and compared to inventory, or um, do you use those kind of factors to come up with the like the ultimate price to hit the market? Oh no, we factor all of it, man. I mean, it's it's you got to look at the national market, what's it doing, interest rates, availability of financing. Then you look at the county, what price range are performing, um, how long, what's the average days on market. Um, what's the buyer demand look like? And then you zoom into the neighborhood that you're in and the homes you're competing against. And it's that holistic approach that really gets the value. So, but uh, any case, man, I'm, I know we're running up on the hard time, but yeah. um, anything else? No, I'm, I'm, thank you. I, what I heard was, although interest rates are up, very optimistic on the market, very, very low inventory. If you're thinking about selling, yep. now is a great time to hit the market and get that spring rush. Cause we are going to get an influx of people coming up to Reading yeah. uh, when the weather, when the, uh, the grass, the sucker grass is nice and high. <laughs> it's coming. So it's That's coming. right. Thank you, Josh. I thank appreciate you. your time. No, man. Thank you too. Appreciate it. 